Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. Welcome back uh, to Orange Nation. Cool in the game, the artist of the day, George Funky Brown. We all know him. We all love him. It's his birthday, so we're celebrating uh, that band, Jungle Boogie, also off the Pulp Fiction soundtrack. That was a great soundtrack. Today, uh, the artist of the day came down to Saturday Night Fever songs or uh, Cool in the Gang, and I chose Cool in the Gang. Uh, you couldn't have gone wrong either way. I've enjoyed it, though. I've enjoyed it. Uh, well, while we're waiting to get Mike Waters on, um, we should mention that there have been uh, continued uh, positive developments with the DeMar Hamlin situation. Um, he's awake. Um, his vitals are getting better. Uh, they said that he is neurologically intact. I know that that was a concern given how long they were giving him CPR in the field about the uh, you know his mental capacity. Um, and as of right now, and I think this is a good sign as well, three doctors are taking a, uh, taking part in a Zoom call, uh, updating the media on his condition. Um, and so we'll certainly pass along any developments. But uh, it's been – and listen, he's still in intensive care, still a long way to go. But I think uh, we've seen over the course of the last – 48 hours, 36 hours, um, some positive developments with the condition of, of DeMar Hamlin. So uh, hopefully he will continue to move in the right direction. And with that, we uh, bring on our final guest today, uh, Mike Waters, uh, joining us to talk some Cuse basketball. And you can see him tonight on the television version of Orange Nation, uh, 7 to 7.30 on, on News Channel 9. Mike, always great to talk to you. How are you today? I'm doing good, Steve. How about yourself? Yeah, we're doing well. We're doing well. Yes, Paulie. I was just going to ask Mike if... You know, where would you, Coach kind of put a positive spin on that Louisville game when he came on, that the offense looked okay, except for the turnovers. Where would you have put that game amongst your aesthetically pleasing basketball games in your time covering Syracuse basketball? Oh, that's in the bottom half. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, what was it, uh, 36 or 38 combined turnovers? Uh, you know, that's, that's pretty ugly. And it's not like either team is forcing a lot of turnovers, you know, I mean, boy, some of Louisville's 21 turnovers were just, um, you know, balls flying everywhere, being thrown out of bounds. And then, you know, Syracuse's turnovers and the, the epitome was the last 10 seconds of the game when Syracuse is trying to just inbound the ball and run out the clock and Juna Mintz slips and falls instead of just, you know, stopping where you are and holding on to it, letting them foul you with a second or two to go, or just maybe like throwing it to a wide open Justin Taylor ahead of the play. But, you know, Judah wants to make a hard cut and keep dribbling out the clock, slips and falls. Louisville goes the other direction, going in for a potential basket, game-winning basket. But, no, they have one more turnover left in the tank as well. And, no. Listen, it, it was not a aesthetically pleasing game, but if you're Syracuse and you're having to, you know, gut out some wins, especially one on the road like that, man, you take it and uh, you you beat a fast path out of there before they decide to go back and put a second on the clock or something. It was lucky it wasn't like a baseball game where the fans get to keep the ball if it flew into the crowd. Because <laughs> they would have run out. <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. Yeah, every once in a while you say something line, funny. That's, that was funny. Jeez, I am so stealing that the I, next time we have a game. That was a you, great you line. You may never see that again. I've never seen anything like that game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, 
you know, Louisville doesn't have a true point guard, and that's their biggest uh, drawback right now. You know, Jim Beheim after the game, was saying, well, they got some nice pieces. You know, they're not this bad, and they really aren't. I mean, when you look at some of the, the, uh, the size and the athletes that Louisville can put on the floor, and if, if L. Ellis was at shooting guard instead of having to take on all the ball handling duties as well, he'd be a lot better, and Louisville would be better. I mean, just and it's just it's it's amazing to me that Kenny Payne and his staff didn't at some point between last April and and September first kind of look at their roster and go, you know what we could probably need out of the portal? Yeah, true point guard. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's go find one. And uh, but they didn't. And uh, boy, they're paying for it right now because I, I think they're just a point guard away from being a, a pretty dangerous team. You know, fortunately, Syracuse does have a point guard, and and he's a pretty good one. And he can he can get by his defender, and he can create. And how important is Judah Mintz going to be to this game on Saturday against Virginia? Uh, when you look at again, and you know, Paulie pointed this out that um, that's been one of the things that's that's been lacking is his playmaking ability in past years, and now they have it against this pack line defense. How important is Judah's play going to be? Oh, if you want to see how this game's going to go, just watch how Judah does at the point and then Syracuse in general on how they're able to get into their offense. I mean, Virginia is their, their defense is well known. Um, and they lost the game the other night to Pittsburgh where they gave up a lot of points for them in the second, in the second half. But in the first half, they clamped down on Pitt. I think they gave up about 22 or 23 first half points. And I remember watching that first 20 minutes thinking to myself, is Syracuse going to be able to score 20 in a, in a, in a half against if Virginia is playing defense like this? Because uh, it's going to be tough. And Judah is in for it because he's only a freshman and as talented as he is, he's going up against a Virginia team that's old. And it starts with Kihei Clark at the point, who I believe is in his eighth or ninth year of college ball. Uh, but, you know, the, as a whole, I mean, Virginia's Division One experience is like 3.5 years per man, uh, which ranks like, I don't know, fourth in the country. Because I, I did a little digging on KenPom.com this morning. So they're an old team. They're going to get after you. Um, so, yeah, Judas just got to make sure he, he's going to have to play with his head up. Because if, if he puts his head down too much, he's going to be dribbling into traffic and he's going to get himself into trouble. He's got to keep his eyes up and you know, look for ways to get rid of the ball. But there's, there's a part of Judah's game that I think actually could help him out against Virginia, and that is the combination of his size and his ability to drive and get by people. If all else fails, if Virginia's really pressuring him and they're on him and everything and they're not going to come off Joe Girard, I could see Judah giving Virginia some problems with his driving ability. And just go to the basket and see what you can create. And uh, maybe he can open up something for Jesse Edwards inside. But, yeah, I mean, Judah does have that ability. When things start breaking down, he can still make something happen with his penetrating ability. You know, we just had Jim Beheim on the show at 1 o'clock, and, and he said he thinks Virginia is the best team uh, in the conference. Uh, hard to argue with him. I mean, it, you know, Pittsburgh's four and zero right now in conference play. Clemson's undefeated in conference play. Um, but you know, I don't, I don't know how many people believe that they are the best team. They're good, but Virginia, 
I mean, would you agree with that? You think Virginia is the best team in in this ACC conference? I guess. What do you make? Is, you know, the second part of that question is, what do you make of this conference as a whole when you've got Duke, Carolina, Virginia, all with multiple losses, and and as I said, Virginia or uh, Clemson rather, and and Pittsburgh are the ones leading the way right now. Yeah, Clemson and Pitt, both four now in the league. I think Virginia is one of the top two or three teams in the league. And I know right now they're they're just two and two, but part of that is we're still very early. And if you look at their schedule, their two losses are both on the road, one at Miami by two points, and the other one at Pittsburgh by three. So really close road losses to a Pittsburgh team that's playing as well as anybody in the league and a Miami team that up until the other night was probably the team that you would say is the best team in the in the league. So those are two, you know, really good losses. And they've won every other game except uh, they had another loss to a nationally ranked Houston team. I think this team is really good. They know how to they know how they're supposed to play. They know Tony Bennett's system really well. They're old, they're smart. Um yeah, I, I think they're right up there. I think as the season goes along, you'll start to see some of the these the, the these early quirks of the schedule start to iron out a little bit. Uh, but you do have to give Pittsburgh credit because even though the wins over Virginia and North Carolina did come at home, those are still two wins that no one expected Pittsburgh to get at the start of this season. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, they're ahead of any kind of schedule you would have had for them uh, this year. You asked me about the ACC as a whole, man, there's no great team. I mean, if Virginia and Miami are probably the two best in the league right now, and, and you, you think Duke's going to get better, I, I don't. You know, Carolinas—they're playing like the Carolina we saw last January and early February before they caught fire and everything clicked into place, and they made that incredible run all the way to the title game. And I'm thinking this is actually who Carolina really is. That last late February and March was a little bit of a team catching lightning in a bottle. And I still think they miss Brady Manick a lot. Um, Caleb Love is mercurial at best. Um, so, you know, it's uh, I, I'm not in love with Carolina, but Duke will get better. But, man. They got their doors blown off them at NC State the other night. Um, so, yeah, it, the league's not great um, as a whole. And I think mainly, like, in, in, a few, in a few of the recent years, the league wasn't great because you had two or three great teams and the rest of the league wasn't all that good. I think this year it's a little different. I don't think there are any great teams. And the rest of the league's pretty good, tough. I mean, there's a lot of teams who can all beat each other up. I think they're all just going to cannibalize each other all year long. Yeah, and I mean, along those lines, and, and you know, Paulie and I were talking about this a little bit earlier, and, you know, and Jim Beheim said that, you know, the next game is the most important game because it's the next one and they're all important. And I and I get that, but, you know, us media types, we like to talk about the quad ones and quad twos. And, you know, this is a, a quad one opportunity on Saturday. And, and given this year, Mike, where you, you don't necessarily know how many of these you're going to get, um, you know, it, it, I think one could, one could make the case that this is a pretty important game uh, on Saturday for Syracuse. Syracuse has a lot of ground to make up before they really get into the NCAA tournament conversation, and we get to use words like bubble uh, in in February. Um, you know, those losses to Bryant and Colgate aren't coming off the books. They just they're going to remain there all year long. The thing you have to do to make up for them, though, is is they got to start knocking down some quad one wins, like you said. 
And uh, it begins with the Saturday road trip to Virginia, which will be a quad one game. And uh, next week's home game against Virginia Tech will be a quad two at, as of the moment. But if Virginia Tech gets a few big wins, and Virginia Tech could move a, a home game in, in, into quad one. But it's a tough portion of the schedule that Syracuse is getting ready to enter. And uh, But they kind of need this these big, tough, important games because these are the kind of wins you need if you want to lift yourself into that tournament conversation. All right, Mike. Uh, great stuff as always. Uh, we'll see you on the TV side of things tonight. Sounds good, Steve. Look forward to seeing you. All right. Take it easy, Polly. Thanks, Mike. All right, Mike Waters. Uh, and with that, we've uh, we got to hit our final timeout. We'll wrap up the show next on ESPN Radio.